Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio and Sneaky Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550. Rabbit, rabbit. Right. We're here, Joe, February 1st. Right. Rabbit, rabbit. Did you get a rabbit, rabbit in today? No, well, not till now. You didn't, did you? No, I did you not. You didn't. You, nope. you got to do it first thing in the morning. It's got to be the first thing out of your mouth in the morning. Mm-hmm. I, you know. Now, I don't think it's actually after midnight. I think it's like when you wake up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. It's when the, the, the first day of the month begins. Right. You're not, you're not doing it to close a month. You're doing it to open a month. Right. I mean, I mean, but it began like last night. If you were up past midnight last night, I wouldn't mm-hmm. expect at 1201 for you to say rabbit, rabbit like you would Happy New Year. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you go to bed, you wake up. It's a fresh new month. Let's go. Let's attack, baby. Right. It's supposed yeah. to bring you good fortune. Good luck. Rabbit, rabbit. You know, and that's what I'm doing today. I'm I'm ready to attack a new month. I'm it's a fresh start because I'm ready to kind of turn the page on this season. I'm. I am dreading watching next Sunday. I just am. I'm sorry. I'll watch it because I need to. Yeah. I'm just going to hate it, man. I'm really going to hate it. I uh, I said this earlier. I'll be uh, happy to have a Super Bowl party more than ever when the Chiefs are playing because mm. I get all the distractions of other people being around and food and commercials and halftime. I'm going to need... All even even the Taylor Swift stuff. I need all the extra distraction I could get from the annoyance that I gotta watch. That I gotta watch the Chiefs again. My mom says to me the other day. Yesterday, she says, "Hey, we have we have some relatives in town." She goes, "Hey, do you want to get together for you know dinner on either the 11th or the 17th?" And we can't the 17th. My wife's gonna be out of town. And I'm like, "Well, the 11th though. That's the Super Bowl." And then I thought, but I don't care. Yes, of course. Do you want to get mm. together for dinner? Like earlier dinner, you know, you get that together with the family. It's more like a earlier dinner thing. It's not a Super Bowl party. Yeah. And I'm like, I have no, th- yes, let's do it. I I don't care. And if you want to run into, if we go till seven o'clock at your house, that's fine. I'll listen to it on the way home. I really, I'm not, I'm yeah. not going to be that invested other than waiting till it's over. Have you, it's like last week watching the AFC championship game. Right. Have you ever, I did the same thing. have you ever skipped the Super Bowl or not watched the Super Bowl? No, I don't think I've ever done that. Okay. Uh, there's been times where I kind of didn't watch it as intently, probably, but I don't, I can't remember. I could probably go back to like every Super Bowl and think mm-hmm. where I was. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. I was watching it. It's a good question. What was the first Super Bowl you ever remember watching in some capacity? Even if it's just like yeah. a few plays, like, yep, I remember that on my TV. Uh, Rams Patriots. Rams Patriots. Brady, of course. I did not, I did not know wow. a football existence without Tom Brady until this year because right. the first Super Bowl I remember is is wow. that game between the Patriots and uh, the Rams. The first one, of course. I mean, you truly are like the definition of Tom Brady has completely dominated your football life. Yep. Not too fun, if I'm being honest. That's why I'm even more frustrated about this Mahomes 
being back in it every single year because I just did this. I thought right, I was, right, right. This is going to be my entire life. It was I got to watch Brady for 25 years rule the sport, un uncontended number one guy, and it's oh just going to be the same thing all over again. Maybe this happens in every sport. I don't know. I mean, and 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 really, that's essentially when the Bills drought started, like the year before that. Oh yeah, I'm a drought. I'm a drought. I'm a drought kid. When you no remember, doubt. like your memory of the first Super Bowl kind of coincides with. So you're of the age where when you start remembering things sports wise like that, it's right there. You're starting at when the Bills become really bad, mediocre, whatever, miss the playoffs for 17 straight years. I don't remember before the drought, like nothing. Like it's blood. Yeah, you don't remember me. a playoff game before the drought, right? Nope, I don't. Oh, wow. I do not remember yeah. Music City Miracle. I do not remember that. Um, so, like, yeah, my first memory of the Bills and all Super Bowls and the league is all post, you know, that point in time. And really, since then, for me, same thing. Like, there's never been a Super Bowl. I don't even think I've missed a minute of. Other than I could, I think I can say this. And maybe a lot of people would share this that Super Bowl, what is it, Super Bowl 47? No, Super Bowl 48. Seahawks and Broncos, I definitely turned that game off at least by halftime, if not even before that. Maybe it was at the end of the halftime show. Um, I did mm-hmm. not watch that full game because it was over very quickly. We could make a, we could, yeah, we could do some sort of, like, I think next week we might, at some point next week, we should kind of just revisit. Watching like the, some of these Super Bowls, what we remember about them, right? Yeah, sure. Because that's actually pretty cool. You go back and you you watch. I've done that before. You've done it, I'm sure. Just go back and oh yeah, you watch some videos on it. Yeah, you know, it's a little like maybe it's not as maybe high def or whatever, but you, you look at you laugh at some of the graphics or the camera angles and like oh we got new stuff here. But yeah, it's kind of cool to get a little nostalgic with that stuff. Yeah, like today's the today I just saw is the or earlier is the 15 year anniversary of the Steelers and Cardinals Super Bowl, which is I think of oh. my of my wow. lifetime. Like that's hard to beat. That is one of the best Super Bowls. It might even be for me number one, the most entertaining Super Bowl that I have ever seen. And I, he wasn't like my favorite player, but I loved, loved Larry Fitzgerald. And that dude yeah. got yeah. robbed of having one of the all-time yep. great Super Bowl performances with not with two fourth quarter touch, touchdowns, including one that put them in the lead, like with two minutes to go, and no one you you remember it, but it's not what that Super Bowl is known for, of course, because what the Steelers did after. No doubt that 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 Super Bowl had lots of big plays in it, right? Yes, I mean, yeah. Who returned the interception? Wasn't Porter? Was it? Uh, was Harrison. Porter? James Harrison. Harrison, that's right. I watched that playback. I saw it today. That was the first time I saw it. it was the 15-year oh, anniversary, and I'm, I'm, I saw the play all-time Super Bowl play. I also noticed that in today's league there would be nine flags on the field for illegal blindside blocks because <laughs> as the yes. Cardinals are chasing this guy oh from God. behind, and they're all faster than Harrison, <laughs> as they're chasing right. him from behind, the Cardinals like missiles are the, the Steelers like missiles are all hitting these Cardinals. <laughs> From blindside blocks, and I'm like, what is happening? But then I'm remembering that didn't become a rule until, like, a few years ago. That's right. Boy, if that play doesn't happen, the Cardinals are Super Bowl champions. It's, yeah, and right, Fitzgerald. I mean, that is, that, that, I, I would agree with, I would agree if someone, by the way, the thing you were watching, did they say, like, that's the number one play ever in the Super Bowl? Because I, 
I could make an argument that it was. It in completely changed the game. It was an incredible play. It's one of the longest plays in Super Bowl history. I, I could make an argument that is the number one, like, most definitive play of the Super Bowl. That, no, not necessarily most athletic or something like that, but that play might be the biggest play in Super Bowl history. You're saying of any Super Bowl? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It can I, I, be. I, we could, we could, yeah, I'd have to dive into that a little bit deeper. It, it would be in the conversation. Sure. Um, that game, you're right, though. It's like, it, it's probably number one even in that game. But then there's like the Roethlisberger throw to win it to Santonio Holmes. I mean, Holmes was incredible on that drive. Yeah. He makes a toe tapping, extending catch. But Roethlisberger's putting that ball in like triple coverage in the perfect spot. Fitzgerald had just caught a 70 yard touchdown. Yeah, all right. I don't even need to couch it. That, that's my favorite Super Bowl that I've ever watched. That was a great Super Bowl. Joe, there is still a bit of a debate on whether or not he actually got both toes down. Who, Holmes? You know that, right? I don't Holmes. think I did know that. I mean, no. like, it's if you watch, maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe it's been confirmed. Like, it looks like, but there's one little area where he might have not actually touched with the one toe. All right, I'm gonna San Antonio Holmes. I'm gonna Gene Steratore it up right now. I'm gonna watch this this, okay. this playback in slow motion, and I'm gonna tell you what I would have made the call on the field. But of course, you know. Oh, I think the call on the field. Like I don't. I'm not complaining. They should have been overturned. Yeah. It was yeah. a touchdown. It is very. But I, I don't know if there's an actual definitive look of both toes touching. So that's that's actually the the camera angle that I'm watching right now from that catch. Maybe, and we were probably all doing this 50, exactly 15 years ago today. The right. angle they have of him making the catch, you can't see the right toe right. because it's being blocked by the left toe. So it's almost Correct. like it's kind of in that way. It's funny. Same team, by the way. The immaculate reception where Franco Harris says he caught the ball, and a lot of people say he caught the ball. Mm-hmm. Other people say he didn't, but we never get to know officially because the camera doesn't show the football. On the replay, and this is kind of the same thing where you, I'm looking, you don't really have an angle where you can see the right toe. You just have to kind of assume that it's down, I think. Okay, now I am looking at a picture. does look like he did touch it here. They have a different angle. There's a somewhere. picture. There's a picture. There's a number 21 named Moore ending at, the, at, at it. All right. I'm looking at a picture now someone took from the, from like the back of the Steelers looking forward into the end zone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Man, it's such a good throw, too. If you... If you Google, if you go on, if you do a Twitter search, just Twitter search Santonio Holmes catch and look down like three posts and you'll see the picture I'm talking about. All right. It's actually my Chiefs fan named Kayla. Apparently she like mm-hmm. just posted this for whatever reason. And tell me when you see the picture and tell me if that gives you a definitive look that his right toe is touching with the ball in his hands. Um, I think that is what this looks like. Yeah. I think yes. I, yeah. That would mean agreement. Okay. Good. All right. All right, well, Super Bowl. We'll do more of this. More of this next week. I can't wait. I love Super Bowl. Memories. Yeah, and Memories. so you don't, but you don't remember Rams Titans then. You don't remember the, nope. the the tackle at the goal line. Nope. You, you didn't remember watching that. Right? I mean, I'm sure I was watching it, but I don't. I would have been four. Right. I would have been four, so I don't remember it. How old were you in the one you remember? The think, first one I, you remember? Then? I think that five. would have been Patriots Rams. That was oh two February of oh two. Oh no, then I would have been seven. Okay, I would have been seven for that one, which is good because I would have been also seven. Uh, I think seven turning eight. Yep, for the first one I remember, my math is correct. My first Super Bowl I remember was the Oakland Raiders against the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Raiders became the okay. first wild card team to ever win. They were in New Orleans. Kenny King had like the longest touchdown reception 
in Super Bowl history. Philadelphia Eagles quarterback was Lackawanna native Ron Jaworski, right? Um, 27-10, Raiders win that one. That's the first one I remember. And then after that, the Niners basically dominated everybody's Super Bowl lives. Niners won, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the next, like, four, the next, whatever, seven, eight years. But, yeah, that's the first one I do, I remember. And that was the first time that, like I said, a, a wild card team. It was Super Bowl 15, by the way. Here we are, 58 this year. It's going to happen on Sunday, a week from Sunday. So we got a whole another week mm-hmm. to talk about all this stuff. We're going to do that here in the Extra Point Show. Sal Capaccio, Sneaky Joe DiBiase with you on a Thursday. We're going to get with Jeremy Kahn. Uh, Jeremy is a host down in Baltimore, the Big Bid, the Big Bad Morning Show, our Odyssey sister station mm-hmm. in Baltimore, 105.7 The Fan. Mike McDonald leaves Baltimore as the defensive coordinator. He is hired by the Seattle Seahawks as their new head coach. Um, that's what, by the way, we have to ask him about um, what's going on. The, apparently, you know, the Orioles are being sold, Angelo selling them. Lots going on in Baltimore these days with yes. um, their loss there last week. So we'll do that with Jeremy. Mike McDonald going to Seattle. Have we heard, is there anything overnight, anything during the morning show that I didn't notice about the Commanders? What's what's the latest on the Commanders? I saw some reporting, or maybe, I don't even know if it was reporting. It might have been more of kind of speculation that because, because Dan Quinn's the only guy that's interviewed more than once for that job, that maybe Dan mm-hmm. Quinn is currently the favorite for that gig. Um so I, he's kind of the only name that I think you can even. Tony Pauline said that um, he right now is the front runner. So, but again, that could just be well, he's interviewed twice. That's why he's known as the front runner. Um, I'm waiting to see if they circle back around to a different candidate that they haven't interviewed yet. I mean, Belichick is the name that you would think of immediately for that. But it sounded like their top two names were the two young offensive guys and Ben Johnson and Bobby Slowick, and both right, of those guys right. were on a stick. And man, what? A what a downer if you're the commanders, right? Like yeah, you're you, you got your new owners finally, and one of them, by the way, in a in a on a you know minor stake in the team is Magic Johnson. Like here comes some some credibility finally to running that team. Different era. Let's let's you know let's do things differently than Daniel Snyder, and you're trying to start that era fresh, and you're getting told no. I mean, that's that's got to be tough. And, Joe, I mean, I know Dan Quinn went to a Super Bowl, right? But it's Dan Quinn at the end of the day that you have to, quote-unquote, settle. I don't want to be super disparaging, right? But yeah. what would give you confidence that Dan Quinn would come in and be the right guy for that job? Who, by the way, the last time we saw a Dan Quinn defense, they gave up 48 points to the Packers at, yes. at home. So, oh, and the last time we saw him here in Buffalo, he never made any adjustments, stayed in dime all yeah. day, and the Bills ran for over 200 yards on them and just completely crushed them. Yeah. Like I don't I don't, you know, question the idea that he's a good defensive coordinator. I mean, he has a good reputation. Right. I don't I don't know if he's like the best, but he's a good one. But right, I want him as my head coach. I mean, he went to a Super Bowl, and I think, you know, the postmortem on that because of, you know, what their careers have looked like since is he made the Super Bowl that year because Kyle Shanahan was his offensive coordinator. And Kyle Shanahan had Matt Ryan as an MVP. And they don't make that Super Bowl unless they're an MVP. If you actually look at their defense from that year, I think they were like middle of the pack. They weren't in that Super Bowl because Dan Quinn's defense was elite. So, again, I'm not saying he's horrible, but if I'm a Commanders fan and I'm excited about a new era and excited about a different type of culture in, in my organization and a different way of doing things, um, I mean, I 
I don't get all that inspired by Dan Quinn. I think, you know, you just fired Ron Rivera, who was same thing, kind of a veteran, right. veteran, defensive minded coach. Um and I would want something different than that. And I feel like Quinn would be along the same lines of what you already had in Rivera. Yeah, I, I agree. It's just, it doesn't, like, you, the inspire's a good word. It wouldn't inspire me. We'll see. Do they do they pivot and talk to Vrabel? I'd rather have Mike Vrabel yeah. than Dan Quinn, I think, right? I think that's right, even though they're both defensive-minded coaches. I would, too. Yeah, I, I would. I'd but, rather go to Mike Vrabel. But is there something about the commanders that... Has is it still just the stink of the of the colors and the logo and the city and the stadium? Like, is is that are they fighting to overcome that still? Where like, may, would Vrabel even want that job right now? Like, Vrabel might get to a point where anybody really could. Maybe even Belichick, maybe Ben Johnson and Sloak have already right. done it. Where they're saying, "Yeah, thanks, but I'd rather sit out a year or stay in my current position a year." And I'm gonna. I would rather get the full look at what's available next year rather than just take the last job that's available in this cycle. And that's where it can really sting. I think where you're the last one at the feeding trough, and other coaches know that they might even think that it looks bad for them that, well, I, I went with my tail between my legs to the only team that would take me. Um, I don't know. I think it's a tough. It's a tough job for the commanders, I think, to get the guy they would want because I wouldn't just assume that, you know, they if they wanted if they wanted Joe Brady, and I'm not even saying Joe Brady would be like the top of the list, you know, offensive mind in the league. Would Joe Brady say, "Well, I just got the Bills' offensive coordinator job, and I'm only 34 years old. Like, do I need to jump at the first thing I get uh, I get asked about?" Like, I feel like anybody could tell them no right now. John Kime, who does a really good job covering the um, Washington Commanders, he's their ESPN reporter. He tweeted out, I think this was early this morning, in fact, this was 14 minutes ago. He said, with every candidate on Washington's list, I'd hear good things about them and concerns about them, unknowns. One I heard best things about is still Quinn, but he said for all it comes down to, it's quality of staff and QB. I mean, yes, I think that can be right. Quarterback, now, they are in a great position. When we did... I don't think you were here the day I ranked the eight jobs as far as best to worst available. I ranked the commanders number one, Joe. I think right. new owners, money, they have the number two pick. They're going to get Drake May. They have some pieces on offense. I think that's right. a really good job to take, which is why it's odd to me that they're here and a guy like Ben Johnson wouldn't take it or whatever happened there. And to yeah. me, for them to be the last one standing is pretty surprising to me. Yeah, and the May point is right. I mean, because it, let's assume Caleb Williams goes one. Yeah. And you're you're looking at Drake May as the quarterback at number two. If I'm any of these guys, like this to me should matter more. It should matter more than, oh, I'm just taking the last job or, oh, it's the commanders and, oh, that stadium is a disaster. They're getting a new stadium eventually, by the way, anyway. What's more important right. to me than all of that is if I got asked, if I'm Dan Quinn, if I'm Ben Johnson, maybe Ben, ben Johnson probably did this, by the way. I'm sure a lot of these guys did. What am I doing if – the mm-hmm. commanders offer me the job or want to bring me in and want to kind of focus in on me being the guy, I tell them, all right, I'll talk to you in a couple days. And I go into a dark room and I watch every second of Drake May tape that I can get my hands on and I figure out if this is the guy I want to attach to be attached to the hip to. Because quarterback is vital and you're obviously doing it here. Like, this is the guy. You're, I don't think you're doing anything else. I guess you could try Jaden Daniels. 
but the sentiment out there is May's the guy that's going to go two um, if everything goes as expected. So that's what I would be trying to figure out. It makes me wonder if Ben Johnson said, I think I could do better than Drake May, but that would be a little confusing to me because the, most of the draft guys I read kind of think he's going to be really good. Yeah, you're actually interviewing, like if you're a candidate, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you in this situation, right? I mean, like, hey, right. what do you got? Well, especially doing? now that they're the only, they're only vacancy. That. Yeah. That, that's right. Um, we can get connected with our fans right now. I had a text from my buddy Chris, who is actually my partner in our February Fix League. Where are you drafting, Joe? I'm Where drafting, drafting what right at February the bottom fix. at number 12. 12 out of 12. On the turn. We are number 8. We are number 8. Okay, you like that? We're we're kind of more in the middle, yeah. Uh, you know, towards the back end. But I don't mind being in the middle right there. But Chris texts in biggest Super Bowl choke in history. Yes, that was Dan Quinn, head coach. Is that for you more on Quinn or more on Kyle Shanahan though? Because I... Kyle Shanahan's the one that called the offensive plays that put him in that position. Yeah, it's a it's definitely both. I think uh, because the Quinn defense couldn't stop New England, but it's also right. for sure on Kyle Shanahan yeah. because. What wasn't it that he would? And I, listen, I'm I'm Mister Throw the Ball all the time, but sometimes there's extremes to that, like Baltimore on Sunday, probably where they handed it off six times. Uh, and I think if I remember right, the thing that got Atlanta in trouble is they they kept throwing the football, stopping the clock, and New England only had enough time to make up that ground because Shanahan didn't didn't work the clock right. Let's get connected with our fans. Brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at NorthtownKia.com. Mike in Hamburg. How you doing, Mike? What's going on, man? Good morning, boys. How are you? Good, thanks. Good morning. Okay, uh, first off, I want to talk about uh, my first first Super Bowl I remember is the Jets and the Colts. Wow. Yeah. And I was young. It wasn't even called the Super Bowl at the time. It was called the AFL-NFL Championship game. They went back and renumbered the Super Bowls after that. It was, I think it was a number. And they play, and they, and uh, it's when, uh, with hardly any time on the clock, Jim O'Brien, that kicked a field goal for the win. It was like a 9-6 to six win or something. Uh yeah, that was cool. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and as far as as far as the coaching is concerned, I think they should go for Eric Eric Bieniemy. I, I think the biggest problem. I think I've been saying this for years now, uh, and and this goes back, and and this goes not just to football or hockey. This goes to life in general. Uh, this new age of kids, as a rule, I'm not saying every one of them, as a rule, okay, have no backbone. They have no backbone. They cannot accept criticism. They cannot accept direction. They're more, con- they're more concerned with time off and how much they get paid. And that's a big problem in in this world. Because when I was growing up, I mean, I'm 61 now. When I was growing up and I got my jobs, you know, I had my managers get in my face when they needed to get in my face. And you want to know something? I ended up becoming a general manager of a car dealership. 
I ended up becoming, you know, a, a platform manager of multiple car dealerships. And and I would have never done that. And I wouldn't have had uh, a manager that got into my face and criticized me when I was wrong. But now you can't do that. Now if you criticize somebody when they're wrong, they, they run to the owner. They have no backbone. This is the problem with this world right now. Now you may okay. say that Mike. I'm wrong. No, I don't think you're wrong. I think maybe maybe you've just been waiting a long time to make that call to somebody, and you know, you you got it off your chest, buddy. You got it off your chest. That's for sure. I don't know what to say, Joe. To be quite honest with you, um, I mean, I disagree, I disagree with like every fiber of every yeah, word that was I said. Mean, but other than that, yeah, that's 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 all I got. News Radio nine thirty WBEN, Mike. Definitely a place you could share that opinion as well if you'd like to go down the dial and do that. Because I have no idea what that has to do with NFL coaching circles, other than if you think that Eric Bieniemy is just a guy that can be a little bit tough. I guess that's the correlation he's making, but I don't know. I, uh, I, I, he's been waiting to say that to a lot of people for a long time. Thanks for the call, Mike. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back, Joe. When we come back, you do Tuesday tears. Okay, mm-hmm. it is Thursday. So I have to call it something else. We're going to put a different spin on Tuesday Tears. We're going to do it into a Thursday, maybe Thursday Thears. I have no idea what to call it, but I want you to start thinking about the AFC the way you normally do, but I'm going to put a little different spin on it, all right? We'll do that when we come back here on the Extra Point Show on WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Certainly didn't come across as imminent, but you know where there's smoke, there's fire too. I mean, and I trust Adam Schefter. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if Andy is considering it. I mean, he's definitely toward the end of his career. You know, I kind of believe in you know go out on top. So if yeah. he were to win and he was pondering it, I wonder if it might compel him to be more likely to retire and go out with the Super Bowl championship. But whether Bill winds up there or not, wow, that would be that'd be a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I would guess that that would not happen, but Shefty's plugged in, that's for sure. That is Sean McDonough. He was on WEEI Radio, our sister station in Boston. I mean, I guess, Joe, it would not, this is one of those things where you kind of can't be wrong, right? You don't have to say Andy Reid's going to retire if you say he would consider retiring. What, what, what would be wrong about that, I guess? I mean, he's probably of the age where he would consider retiring and then maybe two minutes later say, yeah, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. You had that a couple years ago where Jay Glazer, I actually heard Jay Glazer on a podcast talking about this um, the other day where he was, <laughs> he and this is maybe to read, like Reed, is even Reed thinking about it? Glazer told the story that this was before the Super Bowl, maybe this was even last year, either way. He was talking to Reed the week before and was sitting in his office and Reed told him that or he asked him about like whether he would walk away. He's like, yeah, you know, it'll be something. I'll have to think about it, you know, like kind of that. Like left it open ended, but it's something I'm gonna I'm gonna be think I'm gonna have to think about. And then Glazer talked to him at the Super Bowl about it, and like Frank said it the exact same way back to Reed. Like, so 
have you thought about, you know, like whether or not you're going to retire or not? And Reed looked at him like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I didn't say that. He's like, he's like, oh, I did? Like, Reed didn't even realize because he's so focused in on, like, how he's going to game plan the Eagles that he, it's not even on his mind. So I, I, I wonder if Reed even has it in his head now. I more so wonder if they win it. And then a day passes, and then two days pass, or whatever. Then you're going to see Andy Reid like really get into deliberation of whether he's going to keep going. If they did that, if Andy Reid stepped away, how different are the Chiefs? And then you have to question: Does Bill Belichick take over? Like people thought could wind up <laughs> happening at some point? Do they go back to Eric Bieniemy and bring uh, it back to the organization? I don't think so. After he yeah. moved on, is it Matt Nagy who takes over? Yeah. I don't know who it is. I, I man, they don't have. In my mind, like a ready-made, they don't have a Gerard Mayo even to me. Like I mean, they don't have a succession plan. Yeah, like there's no one in the building where I go, oh well, that's the guy. It might have been Bienemy, but he's not in the organization any longer. And I don't know. There's so many, so much smoke about him, and like how he kind of interacts with players and whatnot. That I question whether that'll ever happen for him. I think Spagnolo would be the guy, but he's just as old as Andy Reid is, so. If Andy leaves, who's to say he would even want to stick around or even wants to be a head coach at this point? He might think D coordinator's a little more stress-free and can just keep doing that. But I guess he'd be the guy. Nagy, I mean, I don't know. It went pretty bad in Chicago. I, if, if I'm if I'm a Bills fan and I see Matt Nagy How about is a successor, successor I, yeah, I just talked yeah. about Spagnola for that. Um, yeah, 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 got you. Yeah, I think it would be a huge difference. I mean, it's... All of the questions about like what the Bills want to be offensively, like their identity and you know receivers and whether or not they're going to do twelve personnel, like some of the pass catching running backs, all of the trying to figure out what they want to be, the last couple of years, those questions mm-hmm. never exist in Kansas City ever. Why? Because Andy Reid's the head coach. Everyone knows right. after twenty years what Andy Reid wants his offense to be, the identity of it, and I think if you bring in another head coach, suddenly. All those questions start popping up about Kansas City, and I would respect the idea that they they wouldn't be the same with a different head coach, despite the fact that they have Patrick Mahomes. While you were mentioning Spags, I briefly looked down to write something down, so I didn't hear that part. My apologies, but you're right. Spags would be the guy, but here's why. I got something planned, and I had to kind of figure it out and, and, and wrap up here how I want to do this. I okay. think I got it. All right. You have Tuesday tiers, okay? Yep. We're going to do a different kind of tiers. Um, this is going to be, we're, we'll do the Thursday foursome. And this is in honor of Pebble Beach, Pro-Am, Josh Allen playing in the foursome. We'll do the Thursday foursome. We'll call it like that. Not really sure. Because it's four tiers, Joe. Let's take the AFC teams. I'm going to eliminate Kansas City and Buffalo because Kansas City's at the top of the list. We know that, and they're the team that everyone is fighting for. I would assume, Joe, you think the Bills are right there and can still contend with them next year. Whether they can beat yep. them or not, I don't know. But I'd assume you think they're right there with anybody else, right? Yes, definitely. Yep. Okay. So let's take away those two teams. We have 14 other AFC teams, all right? Here are the tiers. I'm going to go team by team. Let's put them in one of these tiers. Are you ready? Yep. Okay? For next year, there's been a lot of changes in the AFC. Think about the changes. Think about no more Mike McDonald as defensive coordinator in Baltimore, if that matters. Think about Jim Harbaugh in L.A. Think about the coordinators returning in you know Houston with C.J. Stroud, what they built on. There's so many things and variables. Aaron Rodgers coming back with the Jets, obviously. The number three pick for the New England Patriots. Here we go. The three, I'm sorry, the four tiers, the Thursday foursome is, number one, 
in my face. Like, they are right there with the Bills, Joe. Okay? Mm. Right there. They're in my face in 2024. Number two, objects are closer than they appear. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Number three, keeping my eye on them. Keeping my eye on them. Yeah, all right. And number four, thanks for the donation. Hmm. You're not even considering them. All right? Yep. I think that way. I mean, the number three one is more, maybe I should think of a different name, but it's more like, yeah, they're there, but I'm not really caring too much about them. All right? So, however you want to do it, let's play the game. Let's go through the AFC teams. Let's start, Joe, with the AFC West. All right? Let's put these teams in one of these four tiers. Heading into what you think they might be in Mm -hmm. 2024, pre-free agency and the draft. How about the Las Vegas Raiders? In my face, objects are closer than they appear. Yeah, I'm keeping my eye on them. Or thanks for the donation. I would go thanks for the donation with the uh, with the Raiders. Um, I think they were living off some adrenaline of a new head coach in Antonio Pierce, and they don't really have an obvious quarterback plan for me because they're going to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, I think. And unlike some other teams, they pick don't they pick like thirteenth? Like I. I don't think they're in position to get much better under center, so I think they're going to be uh, not a great team. So I would say donation. Hmm. Thanks for the donation. I might put them in Tier 3 here. I think that they – yeah, you're probably right, but, man, I just it always seems like they could be better than they are, but you're probably right about that. Let's go with the Denver Broncos. I might say the same thing about Denver. Thanks for the donation. You think that they don't um... – they got to find their way to a quarterback, first of all. Same, right, same question, same spot in the draft, by the way. They're 12th, uh, Vegas is 13th. Um, I guess I have more confidence in the coach, but I don't even know if I want to say that much because although I respect Sean Payton as an offensive play caller, he's not had a great 12 months in terms of, you know, you know, just infighting and what the way he interacted with Russell Wilson and there was the whole Nathaniel Hackett thing before the season. There's just kind of a sideshow, mm-hmm. I feel like, going on with Sean yeah. Payton. So I, I don't I don't like that part of it, uh, the coach part even right now for Denver. They, they won five in a row in the middle of the season. They won seven out of their last 11, but they didn't wind up making the playoffs because they kind of blew it down the stretch there. Let's go with the other team in the West, the L.A. Chargers and new coach Jim Harbaugh. In my face, objects closer than they appear. Keep my eye on them, or thanks for the donation. I'd go closer than they than they may appear. Uh, because of Herbert, because I think the Texans just kind of proved that you can turn things around really quick, but you got to get lucky at some spots and you've got to really nail a draft. Like the Texans got an elite contribute c- contributor um, in Tank Dell in the third round. Like the Chargers will need four guys in this draft class to produce for them to even I think have a shot at a real contention. But if they do that, I think they can get there because of Harbaugh and because of Herbert. Let's go to this. I'm going to agree with you, by the way. I think I put them in the same group. Let's go to the, the South. The easy one, I think, here is Tennessee. We're going to put them there. Thanks for the yes, donation, right? Tennessee's definitely. got nothing going on. Definitely. Right? All right. So the Tennessee Titans, thanks for the donation. What about the Indianapolis Colts? I might go closer than they may appear to. Like, hmm. Richardson played very little, but... He looked good, I thought, in the very little that he played. He looked a little raw. He was he had some accuracy problems, but he made some big throws. He runs like crazy, and it was really nice looking. And I think Shane Steichen showed, not only with what he did with Gardner Minshew, almost making the playoffs, but also 
how big a step back the Eagles took without him that Steichen showed that he's got some real value as a coach. I'm not going to put them up there that high yet. I think they caught a little bit of lightning in a bottle. Good job. Nice job by Steichen. I'm not going to take anything away from him. I thought that down the stretch, um, they didn't look as, as good as they did earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. They went win-lose, win-lose. They, they beat the Titans, the Steelers, and the Raiders. And then they That's lost fair, the yeah. Bengals, the Falcons, and the Texans. Um, you know, I mean, they had some nice wins early in the year. But I like Richardson. I think they have to figure it out. I'm going to keep them one tier lower than you do. How about the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team we were very, very high on last year? Yeah, I'm like so disappointed and deflated in them that mm-hmm. I don't even know. I mean, Lawrence should be better than this, right? Um, Calvin yes. Calvin Ridley's a free agent. Like that was their big ticket to get better, and they didn't get a lot better. Um, Josh Allen on defensive ends, a free agent. So I man, we're I almost want to seed with you here because I can't just. I'm they're probably the team I'm going to be the most indecisive on this offseason. I think they're in tier three now for me. Going to okay. keep an eye on them. I am not that threatened by them any, after what I watched last year. I'm just not. I don't even think they're closer than they appear because I thought they were closer this year. So it's kind of a trick. Like I could put them in tier two if I actually was ranking the AFC, but yeah. I don't think they're they're, they're not. I, I think I'm almost ready for them to take a step back next year, not yeah. a step forward. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, Press Taylor at offensive coordinator. By the way, there's a lot of people that think like he's not up for that job, and they decided to keep him. So, I know there's some question marks there as well. You put him in two or three, then? I'd put him in three. Okay, Houston Texans. I kind of want to put them. Uh, I'm gonna go tier one here in my face. I think mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think Stroud was that good. As a rookie, and they're not even fully formed yet on on you know in terms of their overall roster. So another off season to make some picks, and to, they've got cap room. They can sign some free agents too to accelerate this a little bit. I expect the roster to be better than it was last year, and I think that means, given how far they went, that they've they're for me in that top tier. I, I agree. They're in my face. I think what they've done and keeping their coaching staff together. But yep. there is a challenge with them, which is teams have seen them now for a year, right? You you will have mm-hmm. teams much better prepared to play them, and that's the one caveat with them. But, man, he looks so good. And the Bills do play at Houston next year, the Houston Texans. All right, let's get to the AFC North quickly here. The Cincinnati Bengals, who finished last this year in the division after the Joe Burrow injury. Yeah, I'm going to go in my face. I think they have to be. They are... They're the only team that's beaten Mahomes in the playoffs. It's Burrow. I, I, even with the question mark of what they're going to look like at wide receiver, because I do think that's big. Because um, behind Chase, they got to re-sign T. Higgins, and I don't know how confident that they're going to do that. Tyler Boyd's a free agent too, but I'm going to give that much credit to Burrow that full off season yeah. to get back healthy. Um, I'm going to give him enough respect to put them in that tier one, regardless of their roster questions. I'm going to put him in tier two because I am wondering about some of these issues. The okay. defense wasn't as good last year. They, they they do have a decision on T. Higgins. I don't think they'll be able to keep him. Yeah. Burrow coming off another injury. It's going to be interesting. And they were 1-5 in, in their own division last year. Like They have not performed even against their own peers in their division. I know some of that was without Burrow. But I'm going to put them in tier one for you. Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I am going to go... I mean... I want to put them in thanks for the donation, but I feel like they're going to win nine games again. Like I know, right? I mean, Arthur Smith is offensive coordinator. Like, what are you doing? 
He was so bad in Atlanta last year. Um, and I guess there's some talk now that maybe Russell Wilson could be an idea for them at quarterback. And even that, like, I think he's an upgrade if, if they were to do that, but not so much that I think they're going to win a bunch of games. So I'll go thanks for the donation, despite the fact I think they're going to be better than those other teams in there. <laughs> but I just I cannot foresee a, a scenario where they take this big leap forward from 9-8 and eight team to, oh, now they're competing for Super Bowls. We'll get to Baltimore, Cleveland, and the AFC East on our Thursday foursome when we come back here on the Extra Point Show on WGR. Jeremy Kahn in Baltimore joins us at the top of the hour. All right, Joe, here we go. Cleveland Browns in my face in 2024 with the Bills trying to compete with the Chiefs. Objects closer than they appear. Keeping my eye on them or thanks for the donation. I am going to go with. I'm going to go keep an eye on them. I uh, wow. I loved them this year, but part of my thesis on why I thought the Browns would be a legit Super Bowl contender was elite defense, elite offensive line, great run game, and an elitely talented quarterback that they're going to have to get the most out of. It's funny. They got that level of quarterback play in a bunch of games at the end from Joe Flacco, and I think we saw what it would look like if Deshaun Watson returned to form. But, I don't know. He got better, but it was like game manager better. I'm not confident enough that Deshaun Watson will ever return to form that I'm not putting them higher than that. I think I'm going to keep an eye on them. You have the Colts over the Browns in your tiers here. You're good with that, I, right? I do, yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Just want to make sure. I love it. I love the conviction. Baltimore Ravens. Uh, definitely uh, in my face. They're they're a great yeah, roster. I, mean, I think they might they're going to lose something in Mike McDaniel here, but I I think they're too talented to not be that. Mike high. McDonald. Mike, That's Mike, right. Thank you, Mike yes. McDonald. Yeah. Mike McDaniel is as we know as we think he's still the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Yes. But by the way, they have interviewed and they might hire who knows Chris Shula, who is I think he's Mike's son, but he is the grandson of Don Shula. Um, he is in the mix for their defensive coordinator. All right, New England Patriots. Ah, <laughs> uh, thanks for the donation. Of course. I mean, Come on, right? we'll see. Like, Jaden Daniels could be real interesting and good, but even even if he's good right, right. away, they, they can't they can't be good right away. No way. They cannot compete in this division right away, that's for sure, right? Yeah, With no. what's going to be happening going forward. How about the New York Jets, speaking of that? Um, I'll go closer than they may appear. Okay. It's the same as last year, right? It's... Hey, if yeah. Rodgers is healthy, and that's a big question mark, and if he's as good as he was now three years ago, uh, then that's a great football team. But I also would want to believe, Sal, that they will do a better job at who the backup quarterback will be this year. Um, so I'll, I'll go closer than they may appear. I'm going to agree with you there. I, you can't put him in Tier 1 because you just don't know about Rodgers. You think you know. They yeah. do have a defensive roster, good defensive roster. Big expose, by the way, written on them uh, on The Athletic yeah. yesterday. I, I started reading a little bit. Haven't gotten too far down it, but uh, it's really interesting. There's, what's going. And it is a yeah. tough division for them. There's some stuff. I mean, Salah threatening to yeah. take assistant coach phones away because of leaks. And Hackett, wow. Hackett wanting more power just be, in, like, rock. Listen, Roger shows up and all of that starts to start happening. Listen, it's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence, right? <laughs> That's right. No, now I'm going to have to read the rest of it. The Miami Dolphins, our last team here. I think I'm going to go... Oh, man. I'm going to go closer than they appear. Um, mm-hmm. 
And the reason why for them, I'm going to take that that tier terminology to be very literal. I don't think they are close to Chiefs level as long as Tua's the quarterback. But because the way that owner has acted in the last five years at that position, I don't think they're going to pay Tua. I think he'll probably be their quarterback again this year. But I think they're going to be ultra-aggressive at some point to move on from him the same way Sean McVay did with uh, Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford, the same way Kyle Shanahan tried to be when he moved off Garoppolo to move up to the third pick. I think there is a move like that coming for Miami in the next 12 to 16 months. There you have it. Joe's tears in my face with the Bills trying to contend with the Chiefs. He's got the Texans, the Bengals, the Ravens. Objects closer than they appear in that regard. Chargers, Colts, Jets, Dolphins. Keeping an eye on them. Jaguars and Browns. Thanks for the donation. Raiders, Titans, Patriots, Steelers, Broncos. I love it. There's five teams in that group. I love it. All right, we're going to take a timeout. Jeremy Kahn speaking to Baltimore, the Big Bad Morning Show, our Odyssey sister station down there. Let's talk about the Ravens, where they go from here. They're losing their defensive coordinator. They obviously had a crushing loss last week. We'll talk with him. We'll take your phone calls here on the Extra Point Show on a Thursday on WGR. You're listening to The Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio and Sneaky Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome back to a Thursday on The Extra Point Show. Sal Capaccio, Sneaky Joe DiBiase. Let's head out to the West Her Hotline. Our guy Jeremy Kahn from the Big Bad Morning Show down in Baltimore. Odyssey Sister Station joins us right now to talk about the Ravens and what happened with them and what go, happens going forward. And I say it, I, I kind of have a deflating tone in my voice. We were all rooting for you here in, in Buffalo pretty much, uh, Jeremy, but uh, the Ravens have the same fate as the Bills losing to the Chiefs. Hope you're doing well. Hope you guys have recovered a little bit over there. Yeah, I mean, it's been a roller coaster week for uh, Ravens fans or Baltimore fans with um, obviously people have seen the, what's yes. going on with last week, the Orioles being sold. And then the transition of that into Mike McDonald leaving and going to Seattle, which absolutely breaks my heart. So, I mean, we can go wherever you want, Sal, but it's been a, a really interesting week, to say the least. No no doubt. And uh, my co-host, Joe DiBiase, is with us as well here uh, on the on the line. So we'll talk is, about so all of that. Know. Is Very, he super sneaky? Very. At, at any given chance, any uh, opportunity that presents itself. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, let me let me start this. And you're right, because Joe and I were talking. we got so much we can talk with you about. So let me start with this. Here in Buffalo, it's like it, there's a macro and a micro of, well, the Bills just can't get over the Chiefs. They can't beat the Chiefs. It's the team. And then there's the Josh Allen can't beat Patrick Mahomes. And I just, I just think it's so stupid and ludicrous, right? Like, Josh Allen's amazing, and he's not losing to Patrick Mahomes. The team is. And now you have in Baltimore – What's going to be a two-time MVP, by the way, in Lamar Jackson here shortly. And I have no problem with him winning MVP, despite the great year that Allen had. I think I would vote for Lamar Jackson, given his regular season. Like, what, what is the narrative there, and how do you kind of combat that as far as the Ravens and the Chiefs and the AFC and Lamar and Mahomes? Yeah, so, I mean, growing up, I was a Peyton Manning guy. So, like, um, and I'm, I'm still a Peyton Manning truther, if you will, but uh, it's, I heard that narrative about not being able to win in the postseason. Then he finally wins the Super Bowl, and it's like, oh, they played the Bears. 
Then he gets to another one, they lose. See, I told you he can't win. Then he gets to another one and wins, but it wasn't because of him. Or, you know, it's, it's like the whole thing's crazy when people start building up these narratives in the postseason. But the talking heads keep pushing this thing, and then it just builds. And I think it just creates more pressure uh, for quarterbacks and coaches alike. And that's what happens. And the same thing you're talking about. I mean, Josh Allen, like, he didn't do enough to win a game and then left 13 seconds on the clock, and Kansas City finds a way to win. That's on him. I, I mean, I, I don't get that. The same way, like, when I look at this offense this past week, I would have said, yeah. I wish Lamar would have ran a hell of a lot more. I don't know why they ran six times. It's the same exact story that we saw against the Titans in 2019. Different offensive coordinators, same head coach, same spiel. Oh, maybe the game got away from us or they saw too many eight- and nine-man boxes and decided to throw. Um, but it's just frustrating because, like, especially now, it's probably how you guys felt. I don't know how you felt about this year's team, but you've had other teams where you're like, yeah, this is our year. Like we were saying in Baltimore, if not now, when? you got the number one seed. Whoever's coming yep. here has to come here. And then be honest with you, this is a this was a special team offensively and defensively that just fell flat, had some turnovers. The ball didn't bounce their way. I'm not going to blame the refs. The refs made bad calls on both sides. They made good calls on both sides. It is what it is. But, you know, the narrative sucks now that it's just going to keep building because if you don't make a run to the Super Bowl, you're more than likely going to be a losing quarterback in the postseason. When it comes to their game plan and the the amount of times they threw it versus they ran it, has there been like a good explanation for why that happened? Was it kind of what the Chiefs did defensively against them? Because the the sentiment and again the kind of the narrative out of that game was that Monken kind of panicked. Um, but of yeah. course, there's I know added context that's going to be needed for that. Yeah, no, I, I think there's uh, I think it's fair to say some of that stuff. I mean. Maybe panic's a strong word, maybe caught up in the game. And, again, it is two different offensive coordinators, but then it, it leads you to go, okay, why isn't the head coach saying something? Why aren't we running more? Because when you throw that much, you have the best running game in the league. And then you, you, you throw in a quarterback that can do it. I mean, you guys see it from Josh Allen. They're different styles of runners, but both are impactful in a game and can really change it with their ability to, to run with their feet. Like, the, the, the point is, like, when you look at a guy like Brock Purdy, they were running man defense against him. they take off a couple times and have these big runs. And everybody's like, see, he's very athletic. Well, you're not going to do that against zone. And typically, Lamar's not going to see anything but some sort of zone or a quarterback spy if you mix it up. So I just, it, it is frustrating to look back at it. But, you know, we got the same answers in 2019 from Harbaugh. The game got away from us. And it was almost exactly the same thing run, run, pass. Oh, the run's not working. Well, let's try it out again. Run, run, pass with Gus. Oh, we didn't pick up the first down. So maybe the run game's not. It's just, it's kind of a weird thing. And I, I don't, buy into the excuses because this is the second time it's happened now well now they're going to lose mike mcdan mike, mike mcdonald excuse me their uh, defensive coordinator you just said a little while ago like, this is a, a pretty crushing loss we always hear about what a team is gaining in a coach right the seahawks what are they getting what are they losing in baltimore mike mcdonald oh my god kyle hamilton said he was the smartest guy in the room i've watched him for two years mm -hmm. and i don't get too bullish on uh players coaches at times with the whole genius label and stuff like that and I know we don't have a lot of young defensive geniuses in the league. A lot of teams that have hired defensive coaches, it's gone by the wayside because of the, the uh, ability to, to throw the football now and then the offenses. Now coaches are kind of looking for the offensive guys. I think they got an absolute gem. I think he did more. There's a lot of talent on the Ravens defense, don't get me wrong, but I think he did more with less. They had one of the best pass rushes, if not the best in the league statistically. And when you look at it, it's Jadavian Clowney, who, yeah, we know is good, but what have they said about him for a long time is that he never gets double-digit sacks. Well, in this offense, or this defense, look at what he's done. Um, I mean, we bring in the, the ghost of, uh, why am I blanking on the cat from BYU now that came in and got him damn near double-digit sacks, Kyle Van Noy. They bring in Kyle Van Noy yeah. off the street in week five, and he winds up with 
what do you finish with nine sacks or something like that? So I think a lot of it's scheme. I just think he's a really sharp guy. Um, it's frustrating at what happened in the playoff game because they, they basically got death by a thousand paper cuts with them screening them down the field for two touchdowns. And that's all they needed. Um, but Mike McDonald, I think he's a genius. I think he turns them around and it says a lot about Seattle too, because I know they did some interviewing, but I really feel like they were waiting for him mm. waiting for when the Ravens lost the pounce and they didn't let him get out of Seattle. They gave him a six year deal. I think they got an absolute gem. Yeah, I was just, as you were talking about him, trying to think, like, when's the last time I've heard a defensive coach kind of being described this way where, you know, there's so many, the McVeighs and the McDaniels and the there's a million of them on offense. 36 years old, youngest coach in the league, like, defensive genius. I mean, it, it feels like he's in rare company for the, the way he's been talked about. Yeah, him and Brandon Staley, right? Those are the two. No, I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> no, but I mean, right. like, it could you could wind up with a situation like that. What if he's what if he's not a great leader of men? What if he's not doing all these things? But when you hear the defensive players talk about him, they love him and they feel like it's such a loss. Like Marlon Humphrey had a tweet saying, "Man, I didn't know that was going to be our last handshake. This sucks." And the Ravens have been a couple of things that the Ravens have have done very well over the years is their front office has done a good job at drafting. And when you look at it, too, people can question them in free agency and some of that and what they've done. But the other thing that they've done is, is basically grown coaches within. And I think the thought process is could be Anthony Weaver or Zach Orr taking over. Um, there was a lean today from one of the publications saying they think it's going to be Zach Orr. But these guys are all – they've played in the system. They kind of coach them up and they bring them through. They've always had good coordinators. This is the first one that I felt was really special that came through. Like when Wink left, I'm like, ah, I like Wink. He's got some great quotes. He's fun. Um, but when, when McDonald left, I was really hurt. I'm like, man, this sucks because replacing him is going to be difficult. Even if you bring in somebody that's really good, I still don't think they're McDonald. Yeah. So while, while we're on the defensive side of the football with them, um, what their off season's going to be like, I know just by looking at even their spot track page, the Patrick Queens, a free agent, are, are you expecting that they'll keep him? Because what, whenever I heard their defense described, like why it was one of the best in football, one of the first things I always heard was how athletic their linebackers are, and obviously he's, you know, half that. Yeah, well, they drafted a guy, Trenton Simpson, last year who played some. Uh, in Week 17, you can really see him kind of, like, shining out there, looking like a, a, a really good player that they drafted that I think he was drafted to be Patrick Queen's replacement. So here, here's kind of what the gist is with them in free agency. I, I fully expect them to franchise Justin Matabike. You can't let that guy walk. He's special, um, even if you get him for one more year and then he walks. But – and then you start looking at the others. Geno Stone, wouldn't surprise me to see Mike McDonald kick the tires and bring him in there. He had five interceptions early on in the season. Um, and then you start talking about a Patrick Queen, who's a really good player that really excelled next to Roquan Smith. I'm not saying buyer beware. I think he's that much better for playing next to somebody like Roquan, but I still think he's really good. And I don't know that they can pay two off-the-ball linebackers that type of money. Conversely, on the offensive side, I, I don't expect Odell Beckham back. He looked very dusty at the end of the year. There wasn't much separation. Uh, on top of it, you start looking at the offensive line. You've got four linemen. Um, you know they've got decisions to make on Ronnie Stanley's cap hit as they were kind of alternating him because of his health with another offensive lineman throughout the end of the year. Something I'd never seen done. Um, and then does Zeitler come back? Who's been really good, or does he price himself out? Does he retire? Uh, and then you look at the rest of the offensive line. They have questions that they have about all of them except for Tyler Lindebaum, who's under contract. We could see some jostling there and expect them to go heavy in the offensive line in the draft. By the way, guys, breaking news as we're talking here, just a little a little down the road from you over there, Jeremy, in Washington, Dan Quinn, new head coach of the Washington wow. Commanders, 
Uh, that is being reported by Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero. Your, uh, your live reaction here to that. Yeah, I think uh, somebody asked me, I said, I thought that was the best job on the market. And I know it sounds strange, but me too. Ownership, yeah. it's not yep. Dan Snyder. I agree. A ton of money to spend, yep. draft picks galore. I like Dan Quinn. I'm kind of surprised. I, I think they found the right one when they were looking at Ben Johnson uh, with the Lions and he turned them down. But it's just weird seeing Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll out there and Mike Vrabel. And they're not going to be coaching. Yeah, I Belichick especially, right? Like, it, it maybe is more for him about what comes with hiring Belichick, right? Like, power in the, the personnel side and, you know, like, age two. But it, it's not even just to me, you know, Jeremy, that he only got or that he didn't get a job. It's that seven teams that had openings decided not to even talk to him. Yeah, and you know, and and again, I think some of that we all thought that the Cowboys might make a move, and Jerry Jones had that weird statement about he could work with, uh, you know, um, he, he could work with a guy like Bill Belichick, um, and then they they bring back Mike, and I, I just didn't get it. Like, um, but that being said, it, it feels weird to see a guy that, you know, a couple of years ago we were saying, hey, should they name something after him, like that Lombardi Trophy thing? Should there be a some sort of defensive player that something named after bill belichick for how great he's been in this league even though it's been some dire years here the past couple Mm -hmm. Um, maybe he takes a year off and shows up somewhere maybe that's it i i don't know like i I just see this youth movement going on in the league like for me i'd rather kick the tires on a young coach and see what i get with him because there's been some special ones that we've seen here like i think mike mcdaniel's great i think sean mcveigh's great i mean there's a lot of great minds just matters if they get the right pieces in place and they can win um but there's a bunch of them all over the league yeah, you're right about that. Jeremy Kahn on the uh, Western Hotline. Last thing on the Ravens for me, you know, here in Buffalo, we went the whole year of people really wondering and questioning about Sean McDermott, despite all his success. In Baltimore, John Harbaugh has a Super Bowl. Of course, once you get that, you're kind of a made man. But it's kind of similar to where in Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin, there's a lot of questions now because you're kind of so far removed from that. Where are fran- fans with Harbaugh and not having to get over that hump in quite a while is he just can he just have his you know can he just have the job for however long he wants because he has that Super Bowl I don't think so um you know there was questions we did three segments today no BS on did they make a mistake and let McDonald walk and not firing Harbaugh and keeping McDonald like, wow. we like fans okay. were talking about that and and I don't know that like for me uh, you know I, I've already told you guys how much I think of Mike McDonald like, I would have been okay if they had done that, and I understand that it sounds silly, but they can't do that. I mean, you can't, you can't let this guy walk now after what's gone on. He's been here for a long time. He's a great leader of men. I question some of the X's and O's stuff with him, um, and I also question, like, his clock management has just always been awful. Um, and I feel like he's kind of stuck in purgatory between being analytical and not. Like, he just he mixes it up mm-hmm. so much and what he wants to trust. And it's almost like he, when they're not getting the two two-point conversions or when they're not converting the fourth downs, all of a sudden it's like, now we could just go back to laying it up. Let's punt and kick field goals. Be who you are. If you're aggressive, be aggressive. Um, and, and, and I mean, not to the extent of Dan Campbell, because that's just silly. But that being said, I, I do think that you, when you look at a Ravens team now and the way that they're constituted, at some point you start to – you have to question a little bit about Tomlin and Harbaugh. You can't live off of being – Hey, you're, the story is I've been over 500 or at least 500 for however many years now, and and then when you look at Harbaugh, it's like, oh yeah, you won a Super Bowl a long time ago. They were talking about firing him the year they drafted Lamar and Joe Flacco went kind of went into the tank that year. Then they start Lamar and make the playoffs, and it was almost like Lamar saved his job. So I do think he's a good coach. I think he would get another job tomorrow if he got fired today, um, mm-hmm. but I don't think he's 100 percent safe here. 
especially after what's happened mm-hmm. the past couple years in the playoffs. Yeah, he you on the game management stuff. I was stunned to see this year he finished last on one of those charts on like win probability lost by game yeah. management decisions. And in the past, it feels like he's been one of the you know like the opposite of that. But last year it, or this season, it definitely wasn't. Um, yeah, if you if, if you look at those numbers too, they said something to the effect of like how many challenges he lost this year. Right, he threw the one on the one that was a uh, uh, it was called a touchdown. He threw a challenge on it, knowing that you couldn't. Then he came up with some lame brain excuse after the game of why he did it. Oh, we just wanted more time. We were going to call a timeout anyway. Yeah. Um. You, I mean, you have moments like that all throughout the season. And to your point, if you look back at the regular season, if they fair catch the ball or if they don't fair catch the ball after uh, against the Colts, they win that game. They had another goofy game that they blew. And then you look at the two Steelers games, it's like they could have easily been undefeated this year heading into the postseason. I know, like, it's, it's, it's an ands, but a lot of it falls on them for self-inflicted wounds. Yeah. Last thing for me on, uh, on Ravens. Every day, because Gabe Davis is a free agent and the Bills were really lacking at the receiver position when Diggs kind of, you know, started to not play well in the second half of the year. So they basically have two options, draft or cheap free agent option, and you just talked, you mentioned Beckham a little bit earlier, so he's a free agent again. If it's a one-year cheap free agent deal, do you even think that's a good idea, or did he look like to you that this is this is about done, it's about over for him? Well, look, I, I do think he's still a good receiver, and, and I, I feel bad even like calling him Dusty, because like it's what you've seen from him and what he is now. It's vastly different. He was not, he did not complain all year about not getting the ball, none of that. Like He was I think he's matured, uh, so I, I definitely think it's not a bad – if you're expecting him to come in and be your number one, he's not that. Um, you know, if you're expecting him to come in and help you make some plays, be good in the red zone, maybe on third down, I think he can still do that. Um, he's still under contract here, but I, I can't imagine the Ravens bringing him back for a second year. Um, I think he's going to be one of those, you know, hey, thanks for coming out. We appreciate your time. And then they got to figure out, too, what they're doing with Rashad Bateman because he seemed very unhappy this year, almost like mm-hmm. the Hollywood situation from last year. So – if you're looking for a receiver, this should be a good year to look because there's a couple good names out there. But, but again, you're going to have to pay for them. And do uh, the teams like the Colts let Michael Pittman walk? Does Mike Evans walk from the Bucks? I mean, there's a lot of good names out there, I think. Bills at Ravens next year, by the way, on the schedule. All right, you said it was a bit of a roller coaster week, bittersweet as far as the Ravens and the Orioles. We actually have quite a few Orioles fans in Western New York. I'll even tell you, our uh, Sabres pre- and post-game host, Brian Koziel, is a very big Baltimore Orioles fan. So, Give uh, the Western New Yorkers here a little, you know, kind of rundown of what has happened, what has transpired over the last little while with the Orioles and Angelos and the stadium and selling, just so we can kind of get up to speed and understand it a little bit better. Yeah, if Brian wants to come down for a game, uh, I'll give him tickets to Camden Yard, so tell him it's on me. Hey, we love, hey, we're, actually, you know, it's funny, Jeremy, my wife, we go to, we're big Yankees fans, we go to Yankee Stadium every year. My Not wife said to me last week, she said, <laughs> you know what, she said, this year I'd like to go to an away game, we should go to Baltimore, that's what she said to me. Camden Yards, and I know I'm biased, is the best ballpark in all of baseball. The one closest to it to me is probably PNC, or if you look at Philly and San Francisco, but they modeled their stadiums Mm -hmm. after Camden Yards. I don't think you're going to find a better ballpark to watch a game. That being said, with the Orioles, man, this is – you talk about being upset and waking up to some news where saw it going to bed, and it's like, is this from a – because John Aron used to work for, what, the Sports Business Journal, and now he works for someone else saw that he had posted something about him being sold, and we're like, okay, we just went through this not that long ago, and then John Angelo said he wasn't selling the team, and now obviously everything's changed. The The governor here and everybody else, the comptroller, and uh, some of the delegates are really pissed off at Angelo's because he lied to them um, in the dealings because they just got a bunch of money for 
from the stadium authority to build around the stadium and some upgrades for Camden Yards, things like that. Um, but everybody here is so excited with Ruben uh, Steen coming in. This is a guy that's been an Oriole fan. He's bringing in other investors along with him. He's bringing Cal Ripken back into the fold to be a part of it. Um, you know, there's some other interesting names out there, too, like Grant Hill's involved with this. So, And there's more and more names. We're waiting to find out what happens with the TV deal, but fans are so excited now. Now you have a guy that can hopefully keep these generational talents that you have because I'm telling you guys, Gunnar Henderson – Adley Rutschman and the kid that can't grow a mustache, Jackson Holiday. Jackson Holiday is going to be an absolute superstar, and it wouldn't shock me to see Gunnar Henderson be, if not the best player, one of the best players in baseball. He's that good. So, I, can you keep these guys? Is the big question. So, fans are unbelievably excited. But anytime you guys want to come down and go to Camden Yards, just hit me up. Absolutely, would love to. I will tell you. Uh, we actually the game we did go last year. We saw I saw the Orioles July fourth. Like they Yankee, they split. We saw it like third and fourth or fourth and fifth or whatever it was. I will tell you. I have a ten year old son, Jeremy. He plays baseball. He's you know travel baseball player, and he's a big Yankee fan. But last year when he went for a haircut, he said, "I want my hair to look like Adley Rushman." So he's a big Adley Rushman fan. He likes the way Adley Rushman looks. He plays catcher. It's all it's all good, man. So yeah, good, rising superstar there. Yeah, and I think, you know, like, so they were kind of modeling their team after the Rays and their business model. But, like, and that's fine. It, but with the Rays, you got to hit on every trade. You know, you got to hit on every move you make, mm-hmm. make the smart decisions with who you're signing. When you have Adley Rutschman coming up, and it's a couple years, and they've got decisions to make on some of their outfielders because this farm system's absolutely loaded. They've got a catcher in the minor leagues that's ranked in the top 10 of the farm system. Where are you playing him? <laughs> Baseo, this kid's, he's fantastic. So, there's a this team's going to be really good for a long time. Well, I hate hearing that, Joe. I <laughs> Sorry, man. That. Hey, the AL East is on notice. It finally feels good to say that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and that's not good it. news for the Yankees. That's for sure. <laughs> no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else, Joe? You got anything else uh, before we let Jeremy go? He does a great job in the morning show yeah. down there. He just got through with his show. Jeremy, thanks, buddy. We will. I will definitely do that if we. Um, at the very least, next year, the Bills obviously in Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Like I said, we'll hook up, but um, would love to come see a game at Camden Yards. I'm really glad for the people of Baltimore that this is settled. I know it's been something you've been on uh, your minds out there for a while. And I, I do think, as much as I'm a Yankee fan, I think American League Baseball is so much better when the Orioles are a little bit better. You know what I mean, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, no, it's it's kind of that feel. Like We feel the same way here, you know, and I'm not just kissing ass because I'm on your guys' station, but like. Yeah, I think I told right. you before, Sal, I kind of pulled for Buffalo. I was really rooting for Buffalo to win that game. So either way, I had somebody to root for in the Super Bowl because, you know, love the fans up there. I've got some Buffalo fans in my family. So, um, yeah, it does make it a little bit easier. And I, I hate seeing Patrick Mahomes on the big stage yet again. That guy's so freaking good. <laughs> it drives me nuts. No doubt about it. Jeremy, thanks a lot. And you can follow him on Twitter, by the way, Jeremy Kahn. He is the morning show host down in Baltimore at jcon 2 Sports at jcon Sports. Thanks, buddy. Be well. Anytime, guys. All right, thank you. That is Jeremy Conn. All right, real quick, let's get to Carl in Connecticut. He's been waiting patiently through all of this. Go ahead, Carl. What do you got for us, buddy? Hey, guys. Nice to talk to you again. Good morning. Um, mm-hmm. Good morning. So, yeah, you know, it's just something that's been on my mind. I feel like uh, one thing McDermott's done really well, especially this year, he went out and he added a lot of depth, which is really, I think, incredible when you're dealing with, uh, you know, limited funds, let's just say. Uh, but we clearly got tested in that department more than anybody can ever imagine. Um, so going forward, 
Yeah, you know, I'm hearing a lot of talk. You know, I'm listening to you guys every morning and whatnot. You know, uh, we're aging out a little bit. We need to get some younger talent and, you know, groom them, let's just say. Um, but at the same time, I feel like we, you know, we, we, we go out there, we'll get some younger talent, and we'll go out there and we'll pick up some decent free agency and combine. That's great. And we kind of did that last year, and this year we're going to focus on receivers is what, you know, we're, we keep hearing. Um, but it's just I can't help but feel in the past few years when we do that, it feels like we never use them or we underutilize them or we give them a year to kind of, especially the, the rookies, to sort of like warm up to our system or learn the system. I feel like this year we're in a little bit more of like a, I don't want to say panic mode, but we need to get them out in the field sooner than than later. And again, hopefully we hit on them sooner. And uh, I just hope that we, we do that uh, because at the same time, there's a, a bit of a sense of urgency um, with McDermott because it, it, it's, it's sort of like a partial um, rebuilding, if you want to call it that, just because of the aging thing. So I guess to cut to the chases, I hope we utilize who we pick up, whether it's free agency or uh, young receivers in the draft, sooner rather than later. And that's just my, that's just how I feel. I'd be curious to hear how you guys feel about that. And again, sales, I always say, put me on hold. There's a 30 minute delay if I can listen. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. 30 second, I hope. Uh, I was supposed to say, I hope 30 second. Um, I mean, the point is right about this draft and. Bean said it at his presser that this might be a situation where young players get pressed into roles quicker than they once would have. Where, like, look at the 2022 class. All of those guys that got drafted. I mean, Christian Benford with Sandy, because he came in right away and earned a starting job because of how good he was during that camp. But Kyrie Elam walked in as a first-round pick. They didn't need to play him right away. They let him develop. Uh, And that's still happening. But James Cook... Second-round pick. They didn't use him a lot. Wasn't a starter right away. Terrell Bernard was behind two linebackers. Didn't need to play right away. Shakir was behind guys. Didn't need to play right away. Like That's happened a lot in the past where guys get brought in in the draft, and it'd be nice if they developed right away and were able to perform right away. But it wasn't necessary. Now, I feel like more than ever, it's necessary. Especially receiver and defensive line. Because I think those are tougher positions to go cheap and get a productive replacement, a productive fill-in guy. Safety, I think, maybe more than the other two. If they did a Taylor Rapp deal again, where that was, what, one year, three million bucks, two million bucks, and they can get something that suffices versus receiver or defensive line, if their plan is, well, our rookie's not ready, so we got this veteran that we had for two, three million bucks, that's a lot less likely to go well. I think you got to have rookies that are showing up ready to produce on this Bills team this year. We'll take a timeout. I don't know if you saw what Jerry Jones said. I want to kind of visit that a little bit. It's kind of interesting and odd, and I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really mean much to me. But I want to talk about that when we come back here on the Extra Point Show on WGR. Sal Capaccio, Sneaky Joe DiBiase with you on a Thursday. Hope you're having a great day today. Roman Wilson from Michigan. Every time I look, he was getting open. He was winning vertically. He was winning horizontally. He was probably the smoothest player in terms of running routes. And then on the other side, in the next practice, it was Lad McConkey. Both of these guys just consistently got open, created separation, and were getting it done on the field. Catching the ball, 
getting it low, getting it high, getting it all over the place for some of them. Who was that again? Yeah, Josh, you told me who that was. Jordan Vanek of the 33rd team. Senior Bowl going on, Senior Bowl this week, Joe. Mm-hmm. And um, we're working. I'm trying to get, um, trying to see if I can get Lance Zerline tomorrow. No promises, but we've been in contact. Okay. Lance is really good with this stuff, and he's been, you know, uh, over there at the Senior Bowl. Tomorrow, by the way, also going to have Pete Lembo on. Pete Lembo is the new head coach at the University of Buffalo. And uh, Pete, you know, brings with them a lot of experience from being in the MAC. Uh, he used to be the head coach at Ball State, had some success there. He's went on. He's had a few few stops since then, most recently South Carolina assistant head coach. But tomorrow at this time, 1130, we are scheduled to talk with new University at Buffalo head coach Pete Lembo. So for all you UB Bulls or college uh, college football fans, whoever, just uh, make sure you're tuned in for that. Jerry Jones, did you read his quote? Have you heard what he said about next year, Jerry Jones? I saw his quote about seeing that he see, him seeing that he could work with Bill Belichick like he could see himself working with Belichick but that's all I saw is that what you're what you're talking okay. about I am not there is another one okay. <laughs> he said Jerry Jones says they will be going all in in 2024 they're not building for the future they're going all in hmm. like what have they been doing lately Joe I was have they not say, been going all in yeah how is that any different from what they've been doing I mean what what does he think they're gonna? Does he think people are expecting him to like trade Dak Prescott? Like what? Is, I don't know what he thinks. People think the Cowboys are doing right now. Of course they're going all in. They're in. They're in their their quarterbacks older than you know Allen <laughs> right. and Jackson and Mahomes. Like Prescott's gonna be what thirty one, thirty two. Like it's time to get if they're ever gonna win with that guy. Like time's now to do it. Yeah. So his quote was, "We'll be going all in." This is uh, Clarence Hill Jr., Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Quote, I would say that you will see us this coming year not build it for the future. <laughs> okay. I, all right. I don't know, dude. Like, I, you haven't been doing that at all. Like, what is the difference? You kept Mike McCarthy, too. Right. So I guess the thing that would make me wonder why he's saying that is, right. is he implying they're going to go all out in free agency? Right. Because they, I'm looking right now, they are, they're one of those teams that's over the cap, but like the Bills, for instance, are 50 over the cap before, you know, Mm -hmm. making the restructures and whatnot. Dallas is 14 over the cap. Mm -hmm. So looking at Dak's contract, looking at some of the other ones, they'll probably extend CeeDee Lamb, I would bet, this year, and that will lower his cap hit. Kind of, you know, a very pedestrian look at their cap situation i feel like they can make Mm -hmm. a big move or two so the only way his comment makes any sense to me is if that's what he means if he means hey agreed we're gonna go like hey brandon cooks wasn't bad for us um michael gallup's not bad but we're gonna let one of those two go and we're gonna go get mike evans for instance like that's the only way his comment to me makes sense agreed i'm not really sure kind of what the difference would be and what they're normally doing. That's an interesting division. I I mean, the Giants took a big step back this year. Washington, we just got through discussing them. They just hired Dan Quinn, by the way, in case you didn't see that. Dan Quinn is going to be the new head coach of the Washington Commanders. Um, it's still Dallas and Philly, I think. I am really intrigued about what happens with the Giants next year in that division because, like, if, Joe, if they don't advance, if they don't get to the playoffs, I think Ryan Dable definitely might not be the coach in 2025. 
what would need to happen? You think if they just miss or like another, another really bad season, does it have to be? Like if they just miss the playoffs, is that it? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, look, you have Wink Martindale leaves. There's this internal fighting. Obviously, there was some sort of not getting along, disagreement, things like that. I think it's even more about that stuff. It's not just – this is a organization that um, – those owners, they don't like stuff like that. They want to be a stable organization. They have been, but they haven't really been for the last several years, obviously, with some of the turnover. But I feel that if if they don't get mm. into the playoffs next year, barring some sort of really, you know, lots of injuries. They had a lot of injuries this year, but quarterback, they have to figure that out. Yep. You could be looking at Brian Dable, you know, being on the hot seat at least next year, at the very least. It might depend to... Like, what's their offseason going to be? That's the GM, and that's the team, I guess, more so. It doesn't even have to be Joe Shane. It could be the owner. Uh, I want to hear from them. Like, what do they consider this year to be? Are they all in for Mm -hmm. this year? Because it could go either way. They've got Daniel Jones under contract at, hold on to your your butts for this one, $47 million cap hit (laughs) this year, Um, which is, I think, uh, the exact same as Josh Allen. And... His dead cap pick figure is seventy million, so that he's there. But that doesn't have to mean I think that he is their long term plan. They set up that contract so that after this season, they can pretty much get out of it anytime they want. So they have the sixth pick. Do they think they can get their hands on Jaden Daniels? Do they think they can? They want to pick a Bo Nix or McCarthy, like one of these next tier quarterback prospects in the draft because I don't think that's impossible. I might bet against that right now, but if they did that, then of course Dable can kind of do the the song and dance of, well, look, rookie quarterback, you got to give me another year. What are you supposed to expect year one versus almost like kind of the, the 2018 Josh Allen year. It's just like kind of delayed a year for the Giants versus if they go back in with just Daniel Jones and they make a draft pick that just helps them right now and they make some free agent moves and they win six games doing that, then I think that they probably tried something else at head coach. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And Saquon, right? Saquon, they have another another Saquon. decision to make on Saquon after they went through this last year, right? Yeah, I think one-year deal, don't they probably either just try that again or let him walk? I mean... That running backs in general, though, like I don't know what to expect. Like, will Barkley take another one-year deal? He might because right. it's not just him. It's Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler. Like, that's four, five big-name running backs that are all going to be looking for long-term extensions, and I guarantee there are not five mm-hmm. teams out there that are willing nope. to give a 27-, 28-year-old running back a multi-year deal. The Bills do not play the Giants next year. They do have a very interesting schedule. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but Joe, I told you at the outset of this show, I'm trying my best to kind of look forward and not back because I just can't. I don't want to. I'm holding off talking about the Super Bowl as much as possible, right? So (laughs) when we come back, Joe DiBiase, Sneaky Joe, I'd like you during the break to pull up the Bills 2024 opponents because I'm going to tell you this right now. I could make a case for like 10 of them to be in primetime next year. Let's pick that apart a little bit. Let's do that when we come back here on WGR. On the pocket, that's away from Chennault, who's trying to get after him for a second time, but the ball is thrown to the end zone, and it's caught! Flowers with the touchdown! 
Jim Nance on the call. AFC Championship game. Ravens, they wound up losing that game, of course, to the Chiefs. Score a touchdown there. The Bills will be in Baltimore next year in the regular season. The Chiefs will be in Buffalo next year in the regular season. Joe, I am jacked about next year's road schedule, specifically, A, because of some of the cities, B, because, like, weather isn't going to be much of an issue except for a few places. But, man, the schedule overall, holy cow. There's some names. There's some games. There's some great primetime possibilities. We are just over probably three months from learning, like, the entire schedule in early May. We know the opponents. But, like, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about, if you look at that road schedule next year, Joe. I did this the other day when, uh, yesterday when, when, when you weren't on. I mean, here we go. Ready? Texans Dome. Colts Dome. Rams Dome. Lions Dome. Seahawks. Wow. Kind of a dome, but not bad weather. That's four domes. Warm weather, Miami, Seattle, where you're probably going to have pretty warm weather, and then Jets, Patriots, and Ravens. Like, yeah, I think the Bills, the point I made yesterday talking about it was the Bills are going to have a lot of games where they have a lot of opportunity to basically just run an efficient offense without worrying about weather. Yeah, the only road games next year where I think you could really get bad weather I mean, Baltimore is far, far enough north where you could get that always. Rain, usually more so. Right. Um, Although wind usually is not very much of a problem there. Then uh, you've got New England, of course. And I, w- I would put Seattle on that list. Like, Seattle can have some bad weather games, too. Sure. But, right, otherwise, you're looking pretty wow. good. You're looking pretty good. This, yeah. The schedule, by the way, at first glance, I'm like, oh, wow, this is a really difficult schedule. And then the more I looked at it, I'm like, uh, not as hard as I think. Because the AFC South is in there. Okay. The Cardinals are in there. Like, it's... Uh, it's not like everybody on that that thing looks like oh that's that's a daunting schedule beginning to end. The two teams in the Super Bowl are coming to Buffalo next year, the 49ers yep. and the Chiefs. I think those would be obviously primetime candidates, right? You always have home or away Jets, Patriots, Dolphins as primetime candidates. But Joe, I could make an argument for Bills at Texans primetime. Bills at Rams primetime, Bills at Seahawks primetime, Bills at Ravens, Bills at Lions. Like, all of these are possibilities. Yeah. The – it might right be better to – it might be quicker to point out the games that don't look <laughs> that very <aren't>. primetime worthy. <laughs> no, you're like, right. Like, I don't think the Titans or the Cardinals will be. I don't think uh, – yeah, probably not New England home, yep. next year, although you can always get those divisional Monday night games, right? Um, yep, yep. I guess really the rest. Jacksonville? Jacksonville I might throw in there too. Yeah, as not prime Maybe, time. Yeah. Um I mean, I just gave the case for the Colts. I don't know that the schedule makers will see it the way I do where, you know, Richardson right. could be a really hot idea, but I bet they go into the year not getting that type of respect, so I probably would bet against the Colts game being prime time and the rest I feel like are really possible. The rest of them. Even. Let's remember the NFL scheduled the Broncos and the Buccaneers here in primetime this year. That's also true. Right? Forever now, I think we have to go, well, this is probably primetime, but you never know because Tampa came here with Baker Mayfield. On <laughs> Thursday on night. Thursday night, yeah. What? What are we doing? And then the, the Buccaneers, I'm sorry, the Broncos on a Monday night you know, came to Buffalo as well. What's the tougher team to play next year, at the Packers or at the Lions, for, an, for, for anybody? I might say it's a wash. I think both are really good and very set up for the future. I might even be tempted to say that Green Bay is tougher because mm-hmm. I really was impressed by Love, especially as the season went on. And remember, 
they were the youngest team ever to win a playoff game and the youngest team to make the playoffs since the 74 Bills. So right. think of those facts and remember that all those rookies, all those rookie receivers too, by the way, Jaden Reed, um, Wicks, who they drafted in the middle rounds, um, all those guys are going to get better. So And Love should get better. So I'm, I'm really wondering how high the ceiling is for Green Bay, at least with Detroit. I feel like that's about as good as they'll ever be, which is still great. Like they could win the Super Bowl being that good, but mm-hmm. when Goff's your quarterback, I feel like what they were this year is about as good as they're going to be. The reason I ask is there's three games different between the Bills and Dolphins. It's depending on where you finished. And for the Bills, they have to go to Detroit next year. For the Dolphins, even though they finish in second, they got to go to Green Bay, which might not be any easier than going to Detroit. You know what I mean? Especially if they go in December, if you're the Dolphins. Right. Yeah, the um, not playing that division though is pr- well. No, sorry, they do they do play that division. They play just Detroit, right? Play just one game. Just okay. play one game in that division. I was gonna say I that's might right. I might prefer that they're playing the NFC West over the NFC North. Yeah, and NFC that's North interesting, right? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And then the other ones, but how about how about the Patriots? They finish in last. You're like, okay, we get we get three games for a last place schedule. Yep. One of those games, they get the Chargers and Jim Harbaugh. The wait, the Patriots get the Chargers Patriots. And Jim Harbaugh. Patriots oh. get yep. Yeah. So Harbaugh, the Chargers, one each team in the East will play one game against the West. For the Bills, it's the Chiefs. Yeah. For the Dolphins, it's the Raiders. For the Jets, it's the Broncos, and for the Patriots, it's the Chargers. Wow. How about the Bills? By the way, going back to SoFi Stadium for the third year in a row. Yeah, that's right. And still have never been to. Unfortunately, obviously not this week either. Vegas. Right. No, no, they were in pandemic. Sorry. Pandemic, pandemic here they were. Yeah. That's right. None of those games none of those games go. happened. None of those games count. Yeah. We don't remember that. <laughs> That's that right. Happened. Well, I know what is happening. Sabres Live is happening up next here on WGR. One Bills Live after that. Joe and I will be back tomorrow here on the Extra Point Show. Tomorrow, like I said, I'm gonna hope. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it out there. Hoping to get Lance Zerline on the air, talk about the senior bowl and uh what's going on up there. And of course, you know, the Bills are very, very much been a team that drafts players that have played in the Senior Bowl. So it's very important uh, to kind of see what's happening there, especially with the wide receivers. And then tomorrow at 1130, don't miss it, Pete Lembo is going to join us. He is the new head coach at the University at Buffalo. Thanks for joining us today on a Thursday. Have a great rest of your day. Sabres Live up next year on WGR.